Uh, The Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. The word of the Lord. All right, you may be seated. Again, I'm so grateful to be here. Uh, I've always liked this parable at at different times for different reasons, but partially because um, I would call myself a gardener. I'm not a very good gardener, uh, but I've always loved that this parable perhaps makes you feel a little less guilty about having uh, mainly more weeds than plants. Um, But now I have almost no time uh, for gardening. We have two small boys at home, and by the time I'm like ready to pick up a shovel, uh, they're grabbing at it, and they're much more interested in mud pits and Tonka trucks than anything else. Um, so now my gardening time is really TV time, and this was COVID for me. My my COVID therapy was I don't know if anybody else can relate uh, watching Monty Don on BBC Gardener's World uh, for hours on end. I mean most of most of my small children's lives, uh, I'm going to look back on early parenthood and think I was just holding babies while my wife was sleeping, and Monty Don and I were, were parenting together. He was like the third parent in the room. He's like pruning grapes, and I'm, uh, I'm sitting there with you know snot on my shoulder or something like that. Part of, part of what I love about gardening is, is being out in the dirt and stuff, but Mainly, I think what I love about gardening is the element of control that it affords. You know, people tend to think about gardeners as nature lovers, you know, like hikers or bird watchers. But uh, all the gardeners I know, and I put myself in this camp, are control freaks. They're anxious people. Um, Gardening is all about putting plants as they say on BBC's Gardener's World, uh, right plant, right place. It's all about getting it right. You know, creating the right felt experience in an outdoor space. Creating the right flow. Um, knowing enough about the soil, the seasons, the climate, the light requirements. Um, it's almost like music composition. It's one thing to say you like music, but... Uh, it's a completely other thing to create a symphony. Uh, and that's kind of what Gardener's World is like. Uh, gardening is the art of controlling the landscape. And then there's weeds. Weeds are the perennial reminder that the land will one day just take it all back. So uh, change is the theme I want to talk about today. I'm a therapist. I'm in the change business. Uh, Whenever, like, a prospective client calls for the first time, 
there's something in their life that needs to change. Like the parable today, it's often the presence of some nagging difficulty uh, that they want gone. And they've exhausted all of their known strategies for dealing with it, for making this change. And they don't know what else to do. And in social work school, um, I went to VCU for social work school, they called us, hilariously enough, change agents. You are, you are the world's change agents. We're the honorable you know, souls that go out into the world, and by goodness, if there's a change that needs to be made, we make it. Um, unfortunately, I'm full, so I can't take any of you all as clients, and I can't work across state lines, but believe me, the transformation is real. Um, but honestly, I mean, think about it in your own life. Who doesn't hope that there's some, there's some missing fragment, some, some kind of creative solution that's hiding in plain sight uh, that will unlock whatever problem it is that you're currently facing? The creative solution that we can conjure in our minds is often not so creative. Um, usually, at least from the sample size of my own therapy room, the sought-for answer to all of our problems is a palatable dose of constructive criticism. We do not want to follow Jesus out into the wilderness. We do not want to revisit our childhood wounds. Generally speaking, we want advice, something actionable. We want grit, you know. We want growth mindset. Any of those like business school psychology terms that basically say that if you can just tough it out, if you can embrace the challenge and see your failures as opportunities and grind it out until, you know, your teeth start to crack, you will eventually get the result you seek. You will eventually get the thing that you're looking for. Um, And I I don't want to jump into this too much. Grit may work in the workplace. It may create extraordinary business leaders. Uh, It may create championship football teams or good soldiers, Uh, but it is poison to to someone's soul, especially someone's soul who is in a place of pain. It is ultimately unhelpful to tell someone who is, you know, depressed, for instance, that the only thing that's actually keeping them from getting the life they want is to just stick to it a little harder. Often the thing that we need most is the hardest thing to look at. And I was reminded of this in an article uh, that came out this summer by a journalist named Sam Anderson, who has since childhood struggled with his weight. And after gaining more than he was comfortable during the pandemic, like most of us, uh, he decided to try one of the weight loss apps uh, to see if it could work. And the wild thing, Anderson writes, is that it actually worked for him. After two months, he had lost all his pandemic weight, and then he lost more weight. And people started to notice and say that he looked great. He began to start to fit into all the old band t-shirts he bought when he was in college and he had given to his daughter. Um, He had actually achieved the goal. He had gotten the thing that he had wanted to. He said, I became, you know, the after photo in all of the diet commercials. Uh, But the strangest feeling was this, as he describes it. I felt something amazing. I felt pretty much exactly 
as I had always felt my whole entire life. I was still, after all that change, still only myself. My big epiphany, if I could put it into words, would be something like, so what? So here's this guy who is a supreme example of, of self-discipline, you know, achieving the goal, and yet the payoff is suspect. And in Jesus' parable, it's the same thing. If I know anything about weeds in my own yard, it's that they invade. They aren't just unsightly where they pop up, but they spread, they climb, they devour Not doing anything about them means that certainly the good crop growing will also be compromised. So the urgency is realistic. We've got to manage this now. We've got to do something about this now before it gets out of hand. But the landowner's response is perplexing, to say the least. In short, it's this. Don't change anything. Don't do anything. Wait. You don't know what to change, and changing it might make everything worse. And so I just want to take a minute and emphasize just how counterintuitive this is to us uh, in our day-to-day lives. I mean, it runs directly against the current of common sense. I mean, our lives, day-to-day, hour-to-hour, minute-to-minute, is just filled with interventions that we make of all shapes and sizes. I mean, part of, part of self-preservation, part of being a kind human being, um, consists of making corrections, tiny adjustments, like relationship repairs, follow-up emails, helpful reminders we send to the people we love, new strategies to handle problems. And that's not even covering the sort of long, the long-haul problems that we face in ourselves and among the people that we love. So is trying to change something bad? Shouldn't I be trying to make wiser, healthier decisions, wiser, healthier choices, wiser, healthier changes in my life? But to each of us, this is the response from Jesus. Don't change anything wait. The landowner reassures the servants that someone else will come and sort out the mess later. The harvesters will do the work later. And so if these gardeners are anything like the gardener in my own head and the gardeners that I watch on TV who have these beautifully pleached lime trees, these alleys, um, this creates an additional problem of having to wait I'm supposed to wait to watch the weeds engulf all of my careful work. I'm supposed to wait while chaos reigns and nothing makes sense. I'm supposed to wait while time is wasting. So even for a bad gardener like me, this sounds like really, really bad gardening. But it must also mean that this bad gardener, you know, the boss, the landowner, the big guy, must be able to tolerate some amount of chaos. He must believe more that restriction, 
or coercion or control don't ultimately work. And he must have some sense that at least a portion of the good crop beneath the summer's growth of invasives can still survive. So back to Sam Anderson and his successful dieting. Um, Very much in line with what we're talking about here, he writes, the thing about diet stories, uh, the thing that they tend to leave out is that in the, wait, in the wake of restriction, restricting calories, restricting the kinds of food we eat, people most, almost always gain the weight back. Diet stories are never as long as life stories. And in the wake of his own weight loss and the disenchanting experience of his success, he realizes that part of what he was trying to get rid of was who he calls Fat Sam. Uh, He calls Fat Sam his sort of snack-loving alter ego that he's always kind of felt embarrassed by, but whom his wife actually happens to love quite a lot. He says this, In many ways, what our bodies are are ever-present reminders of our essential lack of control. Much of diet culture is some kind of response to this crisis, an attempt to discipline the unruliness of the body, to transcend it. The 80s dieting slogan that made such an impression on me as a child was, in every fat person is a skinny person trying to get out. But in my case, it should be reversed. No matter what my body happens to look like at any particular moment, fat Sam lives inside me. And I recognize now, in fact, that Fat Sam represents some of my best qualities. Curiosity, cheerful appetite, a hunger for life, satisfaction in the moment. Fat Sam, in many ways, is precious and good. So if you think about yourself and where you are today, and if your soul is a fertile field, What weeds are you trying to pull in your life? What chaos feels so stressful, so threatening, unless you do something and do it soon? What part of yourself might eat you alive if you didn't keep it managed? And what is your management of it costing you, the whole you? What are you on a mission to weed out in your life? I mean, it is Lent, after all. This parable is a caution to its listeners about the limits of perception about what is good in life and what needs changing. It offers the creative solution that consists of doing nothing at all, instead in waiting on another to do it for us. It suggests rudely that we, in fact, do not know what is best for us, and that our grit, if we are lucky to have any, may dig us further away from the real transformation that we need. It invites us to wonder if perhaps the parts of our lives that we so hate are ironically a part of God's messy, weedy delight. 
because it is ultimately a parable with a promise that God will, in fact, work wonders with the whole field. After all, the ultimate gift, the most precious gift, was hidden from our sight. We confused him for an invasive, a throwaway, but we were wrong. He was, in fact, our creative solution, the Lord of the weeds, the once and forever jewel of the world, harvested for you in a hopeless landscape. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us to cede control of our field and that you would give us the strength to wait for your saving power. Amen.